there's a variety of different tools and partners that are out there that really can help with organizing that data. But you really have to first figure out, well, what information do I have? You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a B2B podcast that brings you the juiciest insights from go-to-market leaders and practitioners. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Kate Zielinski Berenter, Senior Commercial Lead here at Demandbase. Today, I am super excited to talk to Lou Cohen on where we are going with first party data. Lou Cohen is EY's digital marketing and demand gen leader of for the Americas, where he oversees EY's brand presence, media, martech, ey.com, analytics, and more. Essentially, EY's brand to demand journeys in the US and throughout the Americas region. Additionally, Lou is a professor of digital marketing at CUNY Baruch College and NYU. Also, Lou is a fellow Long Islander and Mets fan. Really excited to have you on the show today, Lou. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Kate. Great to be here. <laughs> so I want to start off by asking you, why is it mission critical for B2B marketers to figure out what happens to their first party data? You know, it's a great question. First party data, I think, has been uh, at the tip of everybody's tongue for the last two or three years because we've all seen and heard about, you know, cookieless future and uh, privacy laws that are coming. But the one thing we as marketers really need to have a grasp of is our first party data. It's the information that we ourselves collect uh, and are able to see and touch on our clients, our passive visitors to our websites or apps. It's the community that's coming to us. And we really need to understand and be able to work with that data that's coming in just through the work we're doing day to day. It makes us smarter about how to engage with our clientele. It makes us more aware of what content on our websites or in our apps are actually being utilized. But pulling it all together, if it were, if it were easy, I think everybody would have already figured this out. It's quite complex, and this is sort of this inflection point in time where marketers and companies need to really make sure that they have a plan for how to work with that first-party data because with, in particular, Apple uh, enforcing new privacy capabilities on their devices and uh, Google later down the road uh, has said that they are going to depreciate the value of third-party cookies, making sure that you have your first-party data organized is critical. Absolutely. So what are some of the major challenges impacting B2B marketers in the space and how are they and their organizations tackling it? Well, I think every company is going to address this a little bit differently. There's a variety of different tools and partners that are out there that really can help with organizing that data. But you really have to first figure out, well, what information do I have? How am I seeing that information come through, whether it be through a tool like Adobe Analytics or Google Analytics or any of their you know, equivalent competitors? There are insights that you can gather today, but enhancing that data, connecting that data tends to be one of the biggest challenges B2B marketers are facing with their data lake. How do I connect everything from brand to demand, from the media that I buy to the entry points to our own ecosystem of websites and apps, all the way through to the activities that that individual takes? And then ultimately, does that person become a buyer? Do they become an opportunity for sales engagement? 
And then further down the road, are they a customer that has paid their bills? Do they become loyal and, and come back for more purchases or services? That entire journey from end to end is fairly difficult to map and connect. And so having an effective data lake where you can see everything from brand to demand is critical to going forward in this potential cookie-less future. And having the right technology, that that infrastructure to enable that is quite difficult to sort out as well because, you know, as a marketer, we do have many people uh, reaching out to us uh, to try and sell us on possible solutions. Uh, there's also a wealth of information all over the internet through great research that's out there about what's possible. But finding that right set of tools to connect your data and deliver those insights is also a challenge. So it's not just working with the data and building a, a, a lake that you can work with and enhance your data and connect your data. It's also finding the right pieces of infrastructure to take everything from how do I discover people outside of my owned presence to bring that data into our lake, enhance that data so that I understand what's going on around my customers, and then ultimately map it through to sales engagement. You know, since Kate, you're from Demandbase, you know, uh, there is quite a lot, I think, that Demandbase has to offer in helping solve components of that problem. And frankly, if companies haven't yet figured out the basics of CRM and marketing automation, they, they have an even longer journey to go beyond just connecting this data. Right. Uh, we've talked in the past about the marketer needing to be a technologist as well. Why do you think that's become so crucial? Yeah, I mean, I... I came up the ranks in marketing through really digital media and advertising, and I'm grateful that my background uh, exposed me to so much technology over the years because today as marketer, it's not so much about understanding uh, ratings and reviews. It's really understanding how my customer works, so behavioral intelligence, you know, consumer behavior, that type of topic, but also being a bit of a technologist that can understand how does my technology operate? How do I collect data? How do I work with uh, different APIs and systems and integrations so that my work can actually connect and bring me the, inf the insights I need to be successful? Just being able to read a data like chart, you know, there, there are plenty of marketing folks today that wear the title of analyst. Analytics is a critical piece of the puzzle. Well, today's analysts aren't just looking at and reading and delivering insights out of data. They're also technologists that are learning how to create data visualizations and build models and systems. So if you are an analyst in marketing and you want to enable those data flows, you're really also dipping in on the technologist side. But if you are more of a generalist, like you are, let's say, somebody who is promoting product uh, as a product marketer, or you are uh, leading service teams for marketing, you really need to understand what data matters. And so it's being able to interpret the data visualizations that are provided to you, the maps of your consumer and being able to pull out those insights and bring it back to the business so that you can empower them to be more successful in how they go to market. But pulling insights out of you know, the massive data lake, it could be overwhelming. Truly, you have to 
be able to like find the needle in the haystack. Mm -hmm. And this would be, I think, impossible because, you know, for years we talked about big data. I, I joke about it in some of my classes where it's like, it's huge data. It's tremendous data. We have so much data that we can't really figure out what is a value. And I truly believe that in the next several years, we're going, we're going to come to a place where we actually prefer less data that is ultimately smarter for us. And that's not something that any one person can do manually. Like you can't just pop that into Excel and sort your data and find that answer. You need smart tools and you need systems that can help weed your way through the mass amount of data that we collect and deliver some of those insights. Right. Very interesting. You had mentioned in our earlier chat that the tools to thrive in a cookie-less future exist, but you just need to know how to piece them together. And I think that's consistent with what you just said. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah. I, I think for a lot of people, they're not even clear what it means, cookie-less future. But this is privacy favoring the consumer more and more, which is a great thing. We should not be afraid as marketers about this change in privacy laws or the potential of a cookie-less future, because what it really means is that a lot of the media ecosystem that we live in today is going to be more secure for the customer and give a bit more power back to the customer, uh, the consumer, about what information they truly are willing to share. For the earliest days of uh, the dot-com ecosystem, it was the Wild West. You know, um, there were ads out there that were a little bit predatory. It was not the, the nicest ecosystem. But the dot-com boom went bust, and we had to start to think about what is legitimate in business. Well, there's also a bit of ethics that come into play when it comes to how we leverage and work with data. And so this cookie-less future really if we wear an ethical hat, is about defending consumer rights and ownership of their data. Okay, well, as a marketer, if I respect that side of the equation and say, okay, I really shouldn't take all the data. I should only take the data I really need to operate. But I'd like to know all these other things about my audience. What is a reasonable way for me to go about collecting that? Well, assuming that people are willing to give you the data, that's the first thing. And I think GDPR in the EU has addressed giving consumers the power to control their data. The U.S. is honestly not that far behind. We're going to get to a place where, as marketers, we will have to turn to the owners of these data marketplaces. So companies like Microsoft and Google and Apple and, you know, all those companies that we willingly give so much data about us, they're going to be more empowered. For a marketer, being able to work with third-party data is just going to change a little bit. It's not going to be where it's the Wild West anymore. I can't just get insights about buyer behavior or consumer interest, even search data or content viewing data, I won't just be able to buy that from anybody. The marketplace will get smaller, but the permission will exist. So a person who plays Xbox today, their data is linked to their Microsoft account. 
Uh, if they happen to use Hotmail or read msn.com, there's more information behind that login. Well, if I'm targeting audiences that look like they're of interest to me, I could continue to buy that information with advertising from Microsoft. That's entirely possible in a cookie-less future. But it's more likely that I'm not going to work with any one publisher. I'm probably going to try and find ways to work with many publishers. And so, you know, tools like Demandbase, companies like LiveRamp, they enable us to continue to operate in the ways that we're accustomed to, but it's now in a more permission-enabled future. And so we shouldn't be worried about cookie-less future. We should be orienting ourselves better for a permission-inclusive future. Truly great insight. Thank you so much, Lou. Uh, we have a couple of standard questions uh, that we like to ask all of our guests just to provide a little bit more insight and a couple more takeaways. So I'd like to ask, how are you and your organization adapting to the current economic downturn? You know, it's a, it's a question I'm actually asked quite a bit lately because every company is addressing the economics uh, in the U.S. and globally a little differently. At EY, we're a professional services company and have really been around for a very long time. We've weathered really bad economics and really great times as well. But for the work that EY does, it's actually economic downturn is an opportunity for us because our job is to support the businesses that we work with. And so in good times and in bad, it's still an opportunity for EY to come in there and help support the companies that we we work with. There are many things that every company still needs to do as far as uh, SEC regulations and audit. We provide those services to many, many companies, but also for the things that we can do in consulting and strategy, we offer quite a lot to help companies weather their own path through the economic downturn and really help them find opportunities to grow despite the economic issues that we might all be facing. Great. Awesome. Um, in terms of some good reads or recommendations, is there a book, blog, newsletter, website, video that you would recommend to our listeners? So I also get asked this a lot, especially by my students, and I tend to have a, a few different data feeds of my own that are a little curated uh, where I'm leveraging like the best of media post and ad age and search engine watch, search engine journal, like the tried and true sort of tech media, digital uh, blogs, they're all sort of coming into this feed that I curated for myself. And so I, I'm always checking that every day. But I also read, you know, what's going on in the economy with the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times. But book-wise, there's a, a couple of books that I always recommend people read if they haven't. And in business, to me, it's sort of like, you must read, like Marcus Buckingham, which his series, uh, First Break All the Rules, Now Discover Your Strengths and Strengths Finder. I tie very much to my management and leadership philosophy. And Malcolm Gladwell, Tipping Point, I think mm -hmm. is one of those books that if people went back and read it now and think about how social media works, it would give a whole new insight into uh, how social media operates today and how people think about influencer marketing in particular. Love that book. And that's such a good point. 
So we are always looking for awesome guests for this podcast. Could you share the name of three inspirational people in the B2B space that you'd recommend that we bring on the show? Sure. Really, I could think of a few people uh, that I'm friendly with who I think might be great guests to bring aboard. Uh, one is my friend Ben Pollock from uh, Verizon Business. Uh, he has been a guest speaker for me uh, at uh, Baruch and at NYU, and he's uh, leading Verizon Business for demand gen. Uh, I think he'd be fantastic. Another person would be my older brother, uh, Larry Cohen, who is a little more on the analytics side, but works with uh, Salesforce and does uh, analytics integrations and systems a lot. He's really somebody that knows a lot about data integrations and how the whole data ecosystem, data visualization, and how to connect all of the things that we talked about here. Uh, so he would probably be more of the expert on how to actually work with the data itself. And then uh, another one would be uh, a former colleague of mine, uh, Howie Kanopko, uh, who works on the agency side with companies like Verizon. Uh, and uh, he's been in the demand gen space for a long time and really understands how to work the systems for the consumer experience. So I think those would be three names I'd throw at you. Great. Thank you so much, Lou. We've really enjoyed having you on the podcast today. Really appreciate you sharing all this great insight with our listeners and look forward to the next one. Thanks for having me, Kate. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is smarter GTM for B2B brands to help marketing and sales teams spot the juiciest opportunities earlier and progress them faster. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demand Based TV. 